You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rick, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore, the publisher of the Bark Board. And Jackson, what a trip. Um, you know, we, we headed down to, to over to Utah. We took in a couple of games. And uh, what was your overall thoughts since, it, you know, it was the first time both you and I have ever made it in that direction? What was your overall thoughts on the whole trip there? Yeah, I mean, it was a great time, a beautiful place. I mean, everywhere, too. <laughs> Stayed in Salt Lake and then went to Logan, and everywhere was beautiful in between. I mean, just really cool place. And uh, But most importantly, we got to see the dogs get their dub. Uh, I mean, a, a critical game, uh, an exciting game. Uh, it's back and forth in a shootout, as you're going to see in the Coach Sedford era. And, I mean, that great Utah State offense went up against a really good Bulldog defense, and, um, we also saw Logan Fife become a big two. So, I mean, it was just a, it was a fun weekend. And big thanks to one of our own bark boarders. Uh, we'd call him Tess Jedford for hosting us and, and treating us like rock stars all weekend long. It was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad the, the result ended with a, a Fresno State win, and it was a fun one to cover. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was just a, overall a great experience. Uh, we took in a couple of stadiums that uh, neither one of us have, have been at before, and uh, it lived up to the hype as far as uh, facilities are concerned. Uh, Utah State has a beautiful stadium uh, with a beautiful backdrop. Um, the one thing that I noticed about both of the stadiums, uh, not only just Utah State's, but also Utah's, was the uh, how close those those uh, the the stands are to the field, and how the fans are right on top of everyone, um, and uh, it makes for a very loud environment, doesn't it, Jackson? Yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, we we lucked out. I also have Cal under my coverage, and they were at Utah on Saturday, so we got to pull off that double header. And I mean, both of the stadiums are kind of constructed similarly, where there's not a lot of space between the sidelines and the end zones in those seats, and then. Um, the seats that are there, I mean, they start right on top of you. And so you, the noise is right there in both venues. Uh, as far as Utah State specifically, I mean, those student sections, they, they put it right behind the visitors. So, I mean, you, you could, if one of the Bulldog players stuck their arm out and the, one of those students stuck their arm out from the front row, you could high five without much effort. I mean, that's how <laughs> close they are. They're hurling insults at the players all game long. I, I didn't hear anything personally that went over the line, but I'm, wouldn't be surprised <laughs> the way those things go. And, you know, that happens at every stadium, but you don't typically see opposing students right that close to your, your visiting team. And, um, you know, if you're familiar with Utah State basketball, you know those students get crazy for basketball. And they carried it over to football pretty good. Um, you know, they followed all the traditions. They got real loud. I mean, there was one point the team pumped them up for a third or fourth down, and, and you couldn't believe how loud it got for – just a crowd of what was reported at 17,000, a little over that. So, um, I mean, yeah, it was a, a really good environment. I mean, Coach Sedford said that was as rough as he's seen in the Mountain West in terms of <laughs> posting fans being on him. And uh, he hadn't been there since uh, he played there in the 80s. So, um, I mean, props to Utah State. It was a well-coached team, uh, one of the best group of skills position weapons I've seen in the Mountain West in quite some time. And uh, the fans brought it too. Uh, just the overall neat experience, but neater because the Bulldogs got out of that experience with a win. Yeah, and I'll I'll be honest with you. I mean, um, that stadium, even though they they only had uh, that stadium wasn't completely full, and and they have little amount of numbers compared to what we can have here in Fresno. Uh, they honestly they were a lot louder than what we have seen when we have an almost full capacity stadium in, in Fresno. I, 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 I'm swear to God, it was loud. Jackson and I at one point looked at each other and was like, wow. <laughs> I mean, there was a, a point where the, 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 the student section was making a little bit of noise. And then one of the players from, from Utah state started waving his hands up and that place erupted. I mean, it, it was like he turned on a switch. It just got loud really quickly. <laughs> it was the oddest thing to see just how how 
interactive these fans are compared to what we see here on a daily basis, right, Jackson? Yeah, and you know, the Bulldogs student section has really stepped it up the last couple of years, especially, I mean, lately. There was like 7,000 students the other day. Um, but, you know, there is, there's something a little different about having those students so close to the action, so <laughs> yes. close to the visiting team. And, you know, they're going, you know, they've got these pre-designed chants and, you know, they have, you've seen their basketball team, they do the winning team, losing team thing. And uh, I believe we can win and all those things. So, uh, I mean, it's really coordinated in a, an unusual way that you don't see at most Mountain West schools. No, it, it, they they are very interactive. Those fans are really into the game. They're uh, they're really uh, on top of the refs, man. Whew. <laughs> uh, there was a lot a, a lot of calls, a lot of flags being thrown, and a lot of the calls went against Utah State. And those fans were making sure that the refs <laughs> knew about it. <laughs> it was it's kind of entertaining. It was a a whole set, a whole different type of entertainment going on at the same time during the football game. Uh, just watching how the the crowd was just responding. So they they can really get after you if they don't like something, right, Jackson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then as well the next day at Utah, I mean, uh, they had a targeting penalty on the Utes, and I know your phone or your watch went off for ninety five decibel plus. We <laughs> then got a hearing loss warning. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was about twice them as many fans at the Utah game, and they were about twice as loud, I think. So. Um, I mean, passionate fan bases over there for sure. Absolutely. I mean, both both games um, what had its unique experience. Uh, now you can you can definitely see the difference in money uh, from stadium to stadium uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, from the facilities. Uh, but Utah State has an excellent uh, uh, stadium and facilities over there. You get over to Utah State, and uh, you can see the step up um, and just the quality of things. I mean. Uh, come on, Jackson. We we were getting fed braised short rib up in the in the press box. Uh, I mean, really? They must have a lot of money to burn up there, right? <laughs> yeah, Utah. I mean, that uh, I've been to a lot of press boxes. Anyway, we've been in some NFL press boxes, and the Utah one I think was about as spacious as I've seen. Um, and it's it's really interesting knowing that you know Fresno State and Utah were kind of on the same playing field for a long time, and now you see what that Pac-12 money has brought that program and the expansions and the upgrades they've made to that stadium. You know, (laughs) you can't help but wonder what if the Fresno State would get that shot and, you know, if they can get that stadium renovation done and how different things might be. And, you know, maybe that could be in the offering here in the next couple of years if they get the funding to put the stadium renovation together and, um, you know, never count out the Big 12. So (laughs) maybe it could be in the Bulldogs' future. Yeah, and then maybe someday we'll be getting served surf and turf up in the press box here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it does uh, it does show you just how uh, how much money they have over there when they're uh, just by the quality of food that they're handing out the, in the press box. I mean, it was amazing. It's the view from both of those press boxes. Um, absolutely, uh, it left me in awe on both of them. Um, just to see the landscape, just to see uh, the whole countryside from where you're at, you could literally see across. You could see for miles up in the press box. Um, Utah State, the the scenic backdrop of of the mountains right behind the stadium. Uh, I mean, it's it's a beautiful view from the the press box. Uh, if when you're down in the field, you don't exactly see the the mountains, but up there, man, it's a beautiful view. That that's for sure, right, Jackson? Yeah, certainly. And, um, yeah, down on the field, not, don't get to see that kind of stuff. Um, did look up and see towards those mountains and saw the Fresno State section, which uh, had a good amount of fans, and uh, they were hollering Fresno State chants at the end of that game, which was fun to see. I got, I mean, one guy was really dancing his feet off. His, <laughs> the yeah, Aggie you, fans were walking in front of him. <laughs> you got that video, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a, I mean, neat atmosphere. And um, yeah, just really impressed by the way the Bulldogs handled it. Yeah, and and uh, you know to go into what happened at this game. This game uh, was one that the Bulldogs really needed. Um, they were coming into this game already down a few players with injuries, and uh, really needed to to come out on top. Um, and 
they took this one down to the wire, Jackson, a lot longer than, you know, any, any one of us wanted. In fact, I predicted a Fresno State loss, so I will admit that. Um, uh, the more and more I sat there before the game, I kept going, oh, this one, th- this one, this one could slip away. Uh, and uh, and it almost did. Um, and the, the Bulldogs managed to pull one off. Uh, but... Um, yeah, I know I'm going to get some flack for for calling that one, but uh, you know, with the injuries and the the type of offense that Utah State had, uh, I just it was was hard for me to see the Bulldogs being able to pull this one off. But it took an excellent performance uh, out of the offense in order to make it happen. And uh, don't you agree, Jackson, with all that? Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me before the game Utah State was scoring 32 points, <laughs> I would have assumed it was a loss. You know, I thought. If Fresno State's defense could really show up and hold the Aggies under 21, that Logan Fires and the offense would be able to do plenty to, to win the game. If it got into the 30s, that's where I kind of felt like they might feel the loss of not having Mikey Keene available, um, that it would be tough to match the score for score and, and make that late play late in the game to win. And man, if Logan Fires didn't not only do that, but look even better. I mean, <laughs> I just put out my insider notes earlier this week about the game and Five scored on film even better than Mikey Keene after a lot of weeks. So, uh, I mean, not only did he fill in and, and handle the job, but I mean, he played drive. I mean, there was not really a lull in the game. And um, I mean, we've seen that in the past with uh, previous weeks where the team has just kind of gone cold for you know, several drives at a time. And that just never really happened here, um, which seems to be like a, it would be more difficult with your backup quarterback. But I mean, Fife handled it well. His legs kept plays alive. Um, made some key plays. Malik Sherrod got going, especially in the second half with his running game. They pulled out the trick playbook with the the lateral to Jalen Gill and the throw to Trey Watson. And, and the offense just did it all. And the defense did just enough to, to slow down the Aggies and, and uh, be able to outscore them. Um, I mean, that Utah State offense was as skilled as I've seen that wide receiver uh, in this conference, as I can remember outside of the Bulldogs when they have special groups. So, um, I mean, that was just a, a fantastic game played by both sides and you got to really give it to Logan Fife for being the guy that lifted the winning team out of there. I absolutely agree. Logan Fife was the difference maker in this game, not only making great decisions on where to put the ball and coming away with no turnovers, but the sheer ability to to move the pocket and 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 get out of harm's way with his legs that was a huge difference uh, maker in this game, and um, you know so much so that they he, they got to a point where it, he was running the ball and kind of got his bell rung a little bit. And uh, Jackson, I know for you and you know just just like me, you you start to cringe a little bit when you see that happening, uh, especially when. You know, you already got your starter out, and then now you've got other uh, quarterbacks behind Fife who have never started a college football game. It kind of has to make you cringe a little bit whenever you see him take a hit. Yeah, and that was kind of the the dilemma going into this one. They felt like Logan Fife's legs were going to be more of a weapon than they've had with Keen's legs, but also, I mean, you don't want to put him in harm's way because what happens after that? Uh, Mikey Keene did suit up and he went through warmups, but I don't think there was any way he was going in that game. Um, you know, hopefully after the bye week and uh, then the following weekend that he'll be closer to 100%. Um, although I think you got to feel pretty good about either of those quarterbacks right now. Um, but yeah, uh, Coach Stedford even said that they felt like all they could do was throw screen passes there for a little while because Fife had gotten kind of rattled there, um, but he did throw that nice fade to Josiah Freeman to set up the game-winning score. Um, so there was definitely something left in the tank, but yeah. Um, you know, I, I do feel pretty good about Jaden Mandel if he gets his number called. It's just the fact that he's never taken a college nap, and uh, to be put in a close game like that, that would have been incredibly difficult to, to have to take that on. So thankfully, Fife was able to finish the game, and yeah, you, uh, you mentioned it. The first thing you said was no turnovers. That's the first thing Coach Tedford said when I asked him about Logan Fife's performance. I thought maybe he would talk about the, the grit of coming in and filling in and you know, leading the team for four quarters to 37 points. But nope, it was zero turnovers was the thing that stuck out to Coach Tedford the most. And really, I mean, if you have one Logan Fife turnover, 37-32 could turn into a loss pretty easily. So 
uh, that was really the key. That's been a struggle for him in the past, and uh, it did not reoccur here against Utah State. Now, one of the other deciding factors of this game, uh, whether we want to mention it or not, is the uh, the calling of the refs. <laughs> Jackson, one could argue that it was uh, a little lopsided. One can argue that it was just a horrible game altogether being called. So uh, I don't know. Where, where do you stand on that one as far as uh, the, the calls being made in this game? There was a lot of penalties. So it, it, tend, it did tend to slow down the play of this game. But what's your, what's your overall thoughts on how that went? Yeah, I mean, the two big ones to me, Utah State had their two easiest plays of the whole day called back, thankfully. And I believe those calls were correct. But, I mean, you know, those home fans watching the, the easiest touchdowns you can imagine getting called back. <laughs> that, that was the most entertaining part was listening to them. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that was big. And, you know, Fresno State really didn't have many lapses. Those two uh, were concerning. But most of the time, I mean, it was Utah State making just really impressive plays. I mean, even the first touchdown over Alzillian Hamilton, uh, Jalen Royals just made a crazy catch. I mean, you couldn't have asked for much better coverage than what Hamilton was doing on that. Uh, there were some other plays where the Bulldogs missed some tackles, but yeah, those two scores from Utah State that got called back, that were they were uh, just totally uh, out of assignment, missed those guys completely. So, Bulldogs looked out there, and uh, you know, that could have been a difference maker. We saw one Utah State touchdown uh, turn into third and 42 <laughs> um, so um yeah fortunate on a couple but um i think the aggies did commit those penalties and that uh, you know it ultimately i don't think it swung the game either way but i really would have liked to have seen a targeting penalty early when magdalena got hit that was that was nasty uh, he got a shot right to the helmet i don't know what targeting is if that wasn't targeting and uh, i mean scary moment for him um I'm hearing he's okay, that he's probably going to be back for UNLV, so thank goodness for that. Uh, and, I mean, huge props to Josiah Freeman for stepping in, one of the many guys who filled critical roles in this game. Um, you know, we had heard all about Freeman all spring, all fall, and then really haven't seen much of him in games up until this point, and he came up with big play after big play uh, when they really needed him to. Yeah, it was um... – it was fun to watch. Uh, I mean, the running game got its its licks in there. Uh, able to to really one long run was uh, was the key that I think to kind of uh, keeping this Utah State um, uh, defense uh, honest. Um, when when he broke off a long run for a touchdown, I think it kind of changed the complexity of the game a little bit, Jackson. Don't you think? Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's when things opened up. When it was 14-14 at halftime, I thought, you know, all right, this game's a little tight, you know, more so than I kind of thought with what Utah State could do on offense. Um, and so uh, that run is really when it kind of turned into shootout mode. And I think also for the Bulldogs offense, that really opened things up where, I mean, that you're looking at the touchdown drives, 14 plays, 11 plays in the first half, 11 plays to go 45 yards even. I mean, it was it was a real grind for the Bulldog offense, and uh, I don't believe Sherrod had a run of more than five yards in the first half. So to break off a 46-yarder, I think that changed quite a bit of what the Aggies were doing defensively. The majority of Sherrod's yards did come in the second half, um, two of his three scores as well. So I do think that changed things quite a bit, um, and it kind of puts Utah State into a different mode too, which we saw them. Uh, start hitting or trying to go for the deep plays as well um, to keep up with the Bulldogs once they got down 11. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, I think that was the turning point. Once, once that run was made by Sherrod, uh, it really made uh, Utah state play a little bit more, uh, more honest. Uh, and instead of favoring one aspect over the other, cause they, they finally realized uh, if they were ignoring the run, uh, that could happen. Um, even though the Bulldogs have struggled a lot with the running game all season long, um, they do have the weapons to to break one. Uh, it's where it where it comes down to it is that offensive line. Where uh, let's face it, the offensive line has been the biggest focal point and the biggest struggle for the Bulldogs this season. And uh, I, I don't know is is it going to get any better, Jackson, for that offensive line? Yeah, you know, they 
as good as Utah State is offensively, they're not great defensively, and I think the Bulldogs were able to take advantage of that a bit. Um, Logan Fife, they did get four sacks recorded, but uh, you know, two of them were like read options that didn't cross the line of scrimmage, I believe. You know, or some scramble. I mean, it wasn't quite four sacks like it does on the stat sheet, but um, the, the Bulldogs did make a change. They put Tyrone Sampson in that center. He replaced Jacob Isaiah, who had been in that role all season long. I don't know how much that necessarily changed anything, but you know, Samson did a good job in there for his first start at center for the season. Uh, he had started the first couple of games at guard. Um, I, I felt like running the ball, they did a much better job blocking and, and creating some things for Sherrod to do. That's just, you know, I, I'm not sure how much that's going to translate to other defenses on the schedule that are going to be better than Utah State. Yeah, that's uh, definitely going to be uh, something that is going to be <laughs> very difficult for the Bulldogs to kind of overcome is is uh, making sure that that offensive line is is put together um, and and holds up uh, for the remainder of the season because everybody's going to be everybody's going to be coming after the Bulldogs and or they are defending uh, Mountain West Conference champions and so everyone is going to be giving the Bulldogs their best shot. Uh, Utah came out swinging. Uh, Utah State came out swinging, almost took one away from the Bulldogs, um, but things are not going to get any better moving forward. Now, the way the defense played, um, they they did just enough, uh, even with uh, the injuries that they have had on defense, which you know are key injuries, um, and. Uh, is there is there any chance we're going to get uh, some of this defense back uh, with the the bye week coming up? Yeah, I mean the bye week couldn't come at a better time for this team. Just uh, a lot of guys are banged up. A lot of guys tried to play through it during the game. Uh, the biggest, of course, being Lavelle Bailey. I mean, he didn't practice all week long, and he shows up to game day in uniform with a, a big old hefty knee brace on, and uh, he played as much as he could. They kind of saved him for some key situations, but. Um, you know, he was only able to play about half the game, maybe not even that. Uh, but just so many players stepped up. I mean, I, I counted 23 different Bulldogs who played on defense, and like 22 of them played 15 plus snaps. I mean, they were rotating just about at every position. There was only three players that didn't come off the field: uh, the two cornerbacks and the nickelback. Um, so, uh, I mean, and those guys were had to have been gassed the way that Utah State <laughs> spread the field and made them run around all day long. So. I mean, a, a really valiant effort by the defense. Phoenix Jackson was one of those guys who stepped up from the second team to play a lot. And he had 10 tackles, and I believe he was under 30 snaps. I mean, so almost a, a tackle on every third snap he had. That's pretty dang impressive. Uh, Dean Clark put up 10 tackles as well. Um, Jacob Holmes had two sacks off the bench. They rotated like 11 D linemen as usual. But we saw Sione Noah play quite a bit more. We saw Tua C.V. Nomura play quite a bit more. Uh, Jason Jacks got his first start. Um, so, I mean, they were asking a lot of guys to do a lot of things. Stephen Comstock came back from injury, and then we saw him kind of fade out of the rotation. Krishan Gordon played some more. Uh, saw a little bit less of Cameron Baraka, but he was still in there. I mean, the, the Bulldogs had basically the first and a second team that all played just about equally in this game. So, uh, And they needed every one of those guys to, to slow down the Aggies enough to get this win. Um Again, I mean, these are receivers and running backs, I think, that are just so good that even a Fresno State defense that I, I really think is impressive is going to have trouble stopping all those plays. And, um, you know, fortunately, they stopped enough of those plays to get out of there with the win. Kudos to Maurice Norris for making that interception to close the game. I mean, if they don't make that play, who knows? The Utah State could have gone down and, and hit the game-winning score. So a uh, huge interception by Norris there to put it away and adds to the lore of this season where, You've got Lavelle Bailey making an interception to seal the game against Eastern Washington. You had Bailey knock one away at Purdue to put that game away. So, I mean, even in the games where the defense has given up a lot of plays, they've come up with the clutch stop to put it away. Yeah, uh, the defense right now is uh, is playing as good as it can with the injuries that it's been dealt, but uh, they're still holding it together enough for the Bulldogs uh, to do something on offense. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's encouraging to see um, and encouraging that we have this bye week coming up right now because 
They're, they the Bulldogs really need to get healthy uh, for the next matchup that they have against UNLV. Um, but uh, we'll see just how much of the team comes back um, after this bye week. Uh, but, uh, you know, also, Jackson, one one other portion of this game that was huge for the Bulldogs was the special teams. Um Fresno State almost broke a couple of returns for touchdowns, um, and the kicking game was on on target, hitting those kicks. Yeah, it was nice to see them kind of handle the elevation. I felt like those balls were carrying a little bit, and at the same time, the Bulldogs had a chance to return some too. Uh, Greer had a, I mean, excuse me, Jalen Gill had a thirty-seven yarder. So, I mean, that one almost went to the house, and um, you know, they. Bulldogs didn't give up much on the kick returns. They they booted them out of the end zone, but Utah State as well almost busted a punt return. They had a 23-yarder, so went a little bit both ways. But, um, no, it was good to see Dylan Lynch come through. He made it, it wasn't a long field goal, but it was a critical one late in the game for 26 yards out. We've seen him miss shorter, so that was a big one. Um, Carson King uh, was putting the punts up pretty high, so, I mean, pretty solid all the way around. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, the special teams really held it together just enough for the Bulldogs again on this one. Uh, but you know, now now things are going to get a little interesting, Jackson. I know no one wants to bring up a quarterback controversy, um, but it does it does start to creep into your mind after the play of Logan Fife who definitely has a stronger arm to go downfield and the ability to break uh, a play open with his legs. Is that something that uh, starts to kind of creep into the coach's mind um, as they try and evaluate just how long it's going to take for Keen to come back? I mean, yeah, if, if Keen's not 100%, you know, or close to it, I would imagine you ride five rather than putting out a, uh, a less than 100% keen. I know he wasn't close enough to 100% to give it a go in this game, but I think you've at least got that there where you now have the luxury. You feel like you don't have to rush Keen out there if he's not all the way ready. Um, but and you could argue Fife did quite a few things, maybe even better than Keen has in a lot of games. Um, I mean, the, the performance at Purdue is still going to be the best, I think, on the schedule, but you know, there's not been as many impressive performances since then. The offense was kind of slow, even against Arizona State, against Nevada, uh, against Wyoming up until uh, late in the game. So, I mean, it just felt like there was a little bit better um, of a flow with the offense. Um, it felt like they did keep the game plan a little simpler. Fife was able to make some quick reads and a complimentary running game. Uh, all kind of kept the offense chugging along. I think the most interesting thing for me is that uh, looking at some of the film and the grades, I mean, Keen has been exceptional when he is kept clean and, and has not graded very well when he's under pressure. And Fife actually performed better under pressure as far as defenders coming out of him than he did even when the pocket was clean. So, um, and with this offensive line, I mean, that happens rather frequently for the quarterback. So, um, I mean, it's a, uh, it's a pickle, I think, because both quarterbacks, I think, are doing things that uh, are better in certain areas, and uh, they'll have to really contemplate a little bit to see what fits this offense better. Um, but I think it's kind of not quite a fair shake against Utah State. I think that's one of the, the lesser defenses that they've seen this season, and you know, it might be tough to replicate that against a, a better defense like they'll see in, in the coming weeks. Yeah, and so now, now the, uh, the the stories begin, especially on the boards, when we start looking at a lot of our a lot of our subscribers as they start to kind of uh, try and pick it apart as to which quarterback should be the one going out there, and ultimately it doesn't really matter because it's going to be the coach's decision at that point. Um, but you know. The Bulldogs came out with a win. It was something they really needed, but they also needed a little bit of help going on um, in the Mountain West. And so, Jackson, we're going to take a look at just how crazy the Mountain West was last week. And I'm telling you right now, uh, it was a little, it was a little weird <laughs> as to how things developed, uh, and it didn't exactly go according to plan as how we thought it was going to end up, but let's, let's go take a look back at what happened last week. Uh, not only did the Bulldogs win, but we're going to go 
game by game. I'm going to leave the best one for last, though. Uh, but the first one, a UNLV, <laughs> UNLV took on Nevada. And, uh, you know, we, we said throw out the records on this one because those two teams uh, just don't like each other. And usually – uh, from you know, history comes into play, and it's usually Nevada on top of UNLV. But UNLV, they came out swinging in this game and really did a nice job and really put up a lot of points. Which, to me, if I you know, as a Bulldog fan, I'm kind of nervous for the next game coming up. Right, Jackson? This one, this one looked a little bit uh, uncomfortable for a Bulldog fan standpoint. And I mean, and UNLV just keeps doing that. You know, you wondered if it would slow down in a rivalry game. And Nevada did put up 27 points, which is not something they normally do. But uh, UNLV just took it to them. I mean, 518 yards of offense. I think the scariest thing in this matchup, I mean, they Rebels are 5-1, and one, and they've largely been doing it with their running game. But uh, their backup quarterback, Jaden Maeva, did throw 19 of 24 for 259 yards and two touchdowns, no turnovers. So... I mean, they were able to do it both through the air and on the ground in this game. Um, again, not a great defense, it would appear, but, I mean, their offense is rolling, and they've got a, a bit of a unique scheme over there, and I think that's fortunate for Fresno State. If there was one team on the schedule, you'd want that by before, not just to get healthy right now, but to prepare for schemes. Uh, this Rebel offense might be the one you need that extra time for. Yeah, that's definitely something they're going to have to do their homework on because right now it looks like UNLV is a team that really has it, you know, working on all cylinders right now. And they could honestly make a challenge at the Mountain West uh, Conference Championship at this point. And uh, first, they got to get through Fresno State next week um, uh, after Fresno has their bye. So having this additional time couldn't have come at a perfect time you know if you if we would have looked back at the beginning of the season and said that that bye week was going to be a crucial one Jackson uh (laughs) neither one of us would have said anything uh we were just looking at it going nah that's not not a big deal but it turns out it's going to be a big deal this uh bye week coming up so Fresno State is gonna have to really buckle down and prepare themselves for this one now, the next game on the schedule was a game of San Jose State and New Mexico. Not really one that we thought was going to be a, a big difference. Um, but um, Fresno State, or not Fresno State, San Jose State really, you know, took took it to New Mexico in dominating fashion at, for, at 52 to 24. Um, you were impressed by this one, right, Jackson? Yeah, it was a, a test for the Spartans because they were down 17-14 and they have been <laughs> yes. pretty bad in the second I, half I in recent weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, so for them to come out and just blow the doors open in the third quarter was a, a huge thing for that program. They ended up winning 52-24 after being down by three at halftime. So, um, I mean, they were just making huge plays. Shevin Cordero had only eight completions that turned into 272 yards and two touchdowns. So, then uh, they also ran for over 250. They had a 68-yard touchdown run. So, I mean, they were just popping big plays all over the place against the Lobos. Um, uh, as far as two and five teams go, you got to be pretty concerned about a San Jose State when they come on the schedule. Uh, and you're probably less concerned about New Mexico. Uh, they've been putting up better fights this season, but still looks like they're uh, uh, not all that competitive right now. No, absolutely not. And uh, it's going to really... Uh... I think New Mexico is just going through the motions at this point. Uh, they're just they're just trying to make it to the end of the season now. Uh, but another team, um, another game that was on the docket was San Diego State and uh, at Hawaii. Uh, this one uh, ended up San San Diego State forty one, Hawaii thirty four. Uh, a loss by San Diego State here would have pretty much eliminated them from any contention of uh, a Mountain West uh, title run. And somehow they were able to pull this one off, even though this looked like it was going to be one of those that could have gotten close very quickly at the end of the game there. Yeah, I I mean, I think Hawaii was the better team in this game, but they turned the ball over four times. And so uh, that was enough to lose by seven. I think if they would have been able to secure the ball, they would have got out of there with a win. Um, So... At the end of the day, I don't think either of these two teams are too strong, and 
someone had to win. <laughs> so uh, we'll see if San Diego State picks up any momentum here and if they can turn things around. But um, uh, they do have Nevada up next, so they'll probably win another one. But I, I'm still not convinced this Aztecs team is all that good. Yeah, and uh, and they're going to be one of the. It's going to be the last matchup for Fresno State on the season. Um, and depending on how things turn out for San Diego State, they could still have something to play for. Um, but we'll, you know, the next few games is really gonna gonna show how they're they're going to progress this season. Now the next two games, Jackson, these were two games that uh, we all were keeping an eye on. And the first one, Wyoming taking on Air Force, and Air Force able to pull it out uh, against Wyoming. That that really is a huge boost for the Bulldogs at this point, um, because now it puts them back into another position to make a run at that title. Right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, you need to, either Wyoming to lose twice potentially, or. Um, for Air Force to take a loss so that it could even out the standings. And so Wyoming's got that first one. Um, you know, if, if the Bulldogs and the Cowboys are both seven and one at the end of the season, that's still trouble. I <laughs> think uh, the Cowboys are going to have that tiebreaker unless it's a three team tie somehow. Um, then it would go to the, the playoff poll if there's not a full round robin and um, a team that just beat out all the other teams. So um, right now, you've still got a root for Wyoming to lose again, but. Um, I think that's probably the way that it, it makes it easier to play out. I, I don't think Air Force is going to lose again on the schedule um, that they've got in conference play, at least. Um, they did have their quarterback, Zach Larrier, uh, go out late in the game, and they definitely were feeling his loss. It got, I mean, they had that game in control, and then it got a little bit scary for them at the end. So we'll see if that injury carries over, or if it was just something minor, because uh, that could be a difference maker for Air Force. They don't have him, um, but uh, I think Wyoming came out strong, and, and then I think ultimately Air Force showed that they were the, the superior team in that one. Yeah, I still think Wyoming um, could easily get tripped up along the way um, because they're not as – even though they've played hard in these last few games, they're, they do have some weaknesses that could be exploited. The Bulldogs almost took care of it. Uh, but Wyoming still has potential to to kind of uh, lose another one along the way, uh, which I think will, will help out for the Bulldogs. But the Bulldogs need to win out. They cannot lose another game. <laughs> so in order for that to, to work, they are going to definitely have to make sure they take care of business throughout the season. Now, the last game on the docket, probably the most exciting game and the most rewarding game uh, that has happened all season. <laughs> and that is that is the game between Boise State and Colorado State. Colorado State pulls this one out 31-30 to 30 with no time left on the clock, Jackson. Um, and just just how just how uh, how great was that to watch that? <laughs> yeah, I mean the score was 30 to 10 with a little over four minutes left. Boise <laughs> State was up. Uh, Colorado State scores, they get an onside kick, they score again, they get an onside kick, and then it gets called back, and then they don't get it. They force the stop, get the ball back, go 88 yards on five plays, throw a game-winning Hail Mary. I mean, it's probably the worst thing that's ever happened to Boise State in the last, like, 30 years, I guess. Uh, and now they're three and four. I mean, people are calling for the coach's head over there. Um, I mean, they've got a, a pretty tough schedule to go ahead, too. They've got to play Wyoming. They got to play Air Force. They got Fresno State. They got to come to town. Um, they've got at Utah State, which I think is a bad matchup for the Broncos. I mean, we'll see if they can pull this one together. And we got to remember just two years ago, I mean, the Boise State Broncos were not having the great season, and they came to Fresno and just stomped on the Bulldogs, unfortunately. So you never take this team lightly. But, um, you know, this. I think everyone in the West smells blood in the water when it comes to Boise State right now. And they'll have a bye uh, before they move forward and host Wyoming and then come to Fresno. But, I mean, that team seems very vulnerable right now. They could be in danger of their first losing season in, like, the 90s. Yeah, yeah. And it was... It was the perfect cherry on this whole trip that we took uh, to watch that one happen. Uh, not, all, I mean, 
Wyoming loses and Boise State loses, which puts the Bulldogs back in a great position uh, because now there are uh, only two undefeated teams, Air Force and UNLV in Fresno State. We'll see UNLV next week, although UNLV still has to make it through this week because they are playing. But that puts Fresno State, Wyoming, and Boise State at both two uh, at two and one uh, in conference play. And right now, Boise looks very vulnerable. Um, and so, if they you know lose one or two more, they're they're done. Uh, Wyoming looks like they could still get tripped up as well. They you know even though. Even though they're looking good, I still think that they have the opportunity to get tripped up along the way as well. So if Fresno State can take care of UNLV, that could put them back into that pole position right behind Air Force. Um, Air Force now, with the loss of their quarterback, could also potentially lose one. Uh, They've played four uh, conference games so far. They still, I believe they have two more, right, Jackson, Um, that they were going to have to play. Yeah, they've got two more non-conference games still in there. They got to play those Navy and Army games. So I mean, they're already halfway done with conference play. Um, they got four more to go, but I mean, they're four and zero. No one else in the conference has more than two wins um, in in conference, just by the nature of the schedule. Um, Air Force still has at Hawaii, which is the, their easiest game. They got to go to Colorado State. They got to finish at Boise, and they got UNLV too. So they've got a couple tough ones in there still to play as well. So they could potentially get a trip up too, especially if they don't have their starting quarterback. Do you have word on, on their quarterback and, and any injury news on that so far? Um, you know, that was a, a weird kind of situation. He was walking around pretty decently on the broadcast, but they took him back to the, um, the locker room and never saw him again after that. So I'm not exactly sure where he stands. And um, they do have one of those non-conference games. They play Navy this week, so. Uh, we'll get to see outside of conference play. You know, no one's going to get surprised this week by whether it's QB one or QB two. They'll get to wait and see what happens against Navy this week. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, if Air Force should Air Force get tripped up, that opens things up wide open again. The only thing that would be odd is if UNLV ended up winning and they then they would be the only undefeated team in conference play. <laughs> and uh, honestly, I don't think anybody wants to see that happen because that could be a program that could be a monster to deal with if they start becoming a winning team. Um, you know, they've got the resources, they've got the facilities, and uh, no one wants to see that one start to go. <laughs> so, um, but this upcoming week... We've got Air Force taking on Navy. And so, Jackson, how do you see this one uh, panning out, especially if, since this is one of those huge rivalry games between Air Force and Navy? Yeah. Um, you know, I watched a little bit of Navy earlier this year. Not very impressed. Now they've been down the last couple of years. They finally made a coaching change. I think this one is right for Air Force to take, assuming they're okay at quarterback. Um, the, the backup was still pretty decent for the Falcons, but you just see there's so much chemistry that goes into uh, pitching those option plays and handing off or not handing off. I mean, I think they had their first turnover in like four games after the quarterback switch. So um, as long as they're okay there, uh, they should be able to, to take care of business in this one. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, air force, I think should uh, be able to, to manage this one, but you know, part of me wants to see Navy kind of uh, knock Air Force down a little bit uh, so that they can get a, a loss on their overall record. Uh, so um, that way Fresno can kind of uh, jump them in the rankings uh, a little bit here. So I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of rooting for Navy on this one. <laughs> uh, the next one, probably the uh, game. It's probably the game of the century, Jackson. Uh, Hawaii and New Mexico. Um, probably not going to be too many eyeballs watching this game. Um, but, uh, you know, it is one of the teams that you do cover. So, uh, how do you see this one panning out? That might not be a bad one to watch because both <laughs> teams are putting up a lot of offense and don't have a lot of defense to back it up. So maybe it'll be a fun one. <laughs> well, there you go. If um, you like offense, this is probably the best game to watch. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to pull for Hawaii in this one. I think these are huge. You know, they haven't been able to get over the hump against the better opponents, but they've typically been able to handle the lesser ones. So I, I think they'll get this one on the road. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I think Hawaii uh, has more fire, firepower than New Mexico, and I think that they, they're going to be able to, to take care of business on this one. Now, the next game, um, probably one of the top matchups in the Mountain West, that's Utah State taking on San Jose State. After watching what both of these teams are capable of last week, uh, pretty good matchup ha- happening here in San Jose, Jackson. Yeah, this game is, is huge in the sense that both of these teams have had pretty tough schedules at this point. And, uh, I mean, both of them have a chance to really go on a run now that they've gotten over that tough schedule. But now they both have to play each other. So someone's taking another L, obviously. Um, I mean, Utah State, we've seen how good their offense is. They're going to be trouble the rest of the way. San Jose State slash Evan Cordero. Um, they still have a pretty solid team around him. Um, but, I mean, they have just had a, a brutal schedule. Both of these two teams had to play Air Force early on and took a conference loss. Utah State had to play the Bulldogs, of course, and San Jose State took a loss at Boise State, a game they should have won. I mean, these two teams could have their records flipped if they had a, uh, an easier schedule up to this point. So um, I think whoever wins this game is going to launch them on a run to the rest of the year. Uh, I'm going to be there for about a half, uh, and then I'm driving over to Stanford for Stanford UCLA. So uh, it's going to be a busy one for me on the bye week. Uh, I'll be up in the Bay Area. So curious to see how that first half plays out, and then I'll be scoreboard watching after that. I think Utah State's offense uh, is going to win this one, in my mind, even though I cover the Spartans. Uh, The Aggies put a lot on the Spartans last year, and uh, I think that they're going to – their offense is going to put a lot on San Jose State's defense, and the Spartans won't be able to keep up, is my guess. One thing is for sure, whoever loses this game pretty much is eliminated from Mountain West Conference, you know, being a contender in this one. So it'll pretty much yeah, eliminate that one. And it'll be tough for the loser to get a bowl either. San Jose State would be 2-6. and six. Utah State would be 3-5 and five if either of those two teams, you know, in the scenario where they lose. So, I mean, this one's critical this is a turning point for both teams absolutely so that that is going to be an important matchup for both of those teams so it could be a very good game to watch now the next game uh also another great matchup after seeing what they're capable of colorado state taking on unlv this one probably the key matchup of the season right here um at at this point of the season yeah and i I still think the way UNLV is rolling, that they should be able to handle this one, especially at home. Um, you know, Colorado State throwing the ball pretty well. Uh, they didn't do it as well against Boise State until the last four minutes. <laughs> I was a little <laughs> surprised they didn't look better, and then all of a sudden it all unleashed in the last yeah, four or five minutes of the game. Um, I, I think even if the Rams put up 20-something points, they're going to lose uh, by quite a bit, the way UNLV's offense. I mean, they're... They put up over 40 points the last four games in a row. I don't see the Rams keeping up with that. Uh, I swear to God that Colorado State's uh, quarterback looks like he's 12 years old. Um, the guy, <laughs> the guy, the guy doesn't even have any facial hair. He's he's got a little baby face going on there. Uh, so that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Um, you know. Uh, right now, Colorado State is one and one in conference play, so they they are not out of it, so to speak. Um, and but they're three and three overall. And then you've got UNLV, who's two and O conference and five and one overall. You know, um, if I had to kind of pick which one I wanted to see lose, I, I want to see UNLV lose on this one. Um, I want Colorado State. Uh, you know, since Fresno State doesn't have to mat, uh, face them anyways, might as well just have Colorado State win, uh, knock off UNLV, uh, you know, make them make them play really hard so that when the Bulldogs do face them, um, they they're sitting there looking their wounds a little bit already. So, um, yeah, uh, that's definitely going to be one that I'm going to keep an eye on is that matchup right there. If Colorado State can pull this one off, uh, watch out. Uh, this could really get interesting here uh, in the Mountain West. Now, the last game on the schedule, you've got Nevada taking on San Diego State in San Diego. And uh, again, this one is Nevada is already mathematically eliminated <laughs> from contention. Uh, but San Diego State still has something to play for. Um, San Diego State, if they lose another one, they're out of contention. If they lose another one, it's going to be very hard for them to get bowl eligible. Uh, so who do you root for Jackson? 
Uh, my money's on Nevada. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd like to see Nevada win, of course, uh, for standings purposes and everything. Uh, I'm going to pick them as, as the upset of the week. I think they come in hungry and they catch San Diego State off guard and they win uh, a nail-biter. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. two touchdown underdogs though, so it's not likely. But <laughs> I, I, I think <laughs> if you if you wanted to call an upset of the week, that's your pick right there. Nevada upsetting <laughs> San Diego State in San Diego. Uh, that would just be another cherry on top for this week if that were to happen. So we're going to keep an eye on all of these matchups. Uh, you know, the key ones to watch, Air Force Navy, as to see if Air Force, uh, you know, is able to keep that winning streak alive. And, of course, I believe uh, the next one would be Colorado State UNLV. Uh, if Colorado State can knock off UNLV, that's great for the Bulldogs. And also Utah State and San Jose State. One of those teams is going to get eliminated very quickly here. So uh, it's those are the, the the key matchups for this week. So keep an eye on all of those. And of course, as always, Jackson and I will will take a look at that uh, next week as uh, what happened on the outcomes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like the fun is about to begin, right, Jackson, in the Mountain West? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was going to say it's more fun. Uh, to watch what happens when the Bulldogs will have to play themselves. You just sit back and watch the chaos, but uh, it was uh, it's hard to beat seeing the Bulldogs win on a Friday and then taking in a, a Boise State meltdown on Saturday. So <laughs> maybe, maybe it is more fun when the Bulldogs are playing to, to see the chaos around it as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh... – I think uh, this week is going to be fun because, uh, you know, we'll be able to actually watch uh, most of these ma- uh, matchups and not have to be at a game covering it. So it it does give us a little bit more time to kind of see what, what happens, what kind of chaos ensues. Um, and uh, hopefully there's going to be some chaos because that just makes things a lot more fun that way. Um, but we'll keep an eye and see how things are progressing and kind of, as, as things move along, uh, Jackson and I will start to kind of give you scenarios as to what's going to happen. Because as of today, Jackson, Fresno State is bowl eligible. And what is the latest projection for Fresno State's bowl hopes at the moment? Yeah, uh, you know, they're not all that far off from the New Year's Six. I mean, <laughs> knowing that, we got caught some flack for talking about that already early in the season, knowing that, you know, there's probably going to be the letdown somewhere. but. Um, I mean, they had that let down and now they're kind of right back in it. There's only uh, two, uh, there's three group of five teams ranked ahead of Fresno State right now. And one of them is not eligible for a bowl game, James Madison. So you've got Air Force, who the Bulldogs could have their chance to knock off themselves. And Tulane is now ranked 23rd right behind Air Force at 22. So, um, I mean, if the Bulldogs win out, win the Mountain West and you see Tulane go down, I mean, they could very well be in one of those New Year's Six games. Um, this year, it's probably going to be either the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. Uh, they're two of the at-large New Year's Six games this year. But um, outside of that, uh, you know, if the Bulldogs could, if they don't get that one backdoor into the LA Bowl again, it uh, wouldn't be the worst thing, of course. Um, especially if uh, maybe you get an exciting team from the Pac-12. I mean, they're all pretty exciting this year, so it should be a fun matchup. Um, regardless of who it is, if they get in that game, and then you know, if you don't get those two, then it's it's anyone's guess, and it's, none of them are all that exciting. Probably <laughs> if it's in Mexico, or I've seen the Cure Bowl in Orlando be mentioned. There's the Arizona Bowl. The Bulldogs haven't played in that yet. Um, the Idaho Potato Bowl. They aren't in Boise this year for Fresno State schedule, so you could get sent there. Um, so you know, hopefully they they ride this thing out and. They get a major bowl or the LA bowl. That's what you got to root for. Local driving distance. That's all I ask for. Just something, <laughs> something driving distance. <laughs> um, something. And, and someone brought up a good point on the board the other day. I mean, the Pac-12 is losing all of these bowl bids because there's not going to be a Pac-12 anymore. So uh, maybe the Mountain West will be able to, or whatever becomes of the Mountain West in the last two Pac-12 schools, maybe they can get the Holiday Bowl in San Diego. You know, something closer by. I mean, there's the Vegas Bowl could be back up for grabs. So um, there could be some more geographically favorable bowl games that become available after this year, too. 
That would be great to hear, and especially if the the conference realignment uh, happens again. I know there's been discussions between the Pac-12 and the and the Mountain West. Uh, if they were able to come to some kind of consensus, then they would essentially uh, probably absorb all those bowl games, Jackson. Right? Yeah, I mean, some of them at least you'll, you'll see them being renegotiated. But I mean. If you're the Holiday Bowl, you're going to want someone from the West Coast to show up in San Diego every year. And I mean, the Vegas Bowl, you've already got the Big Ten or the SECs in that game. So, I mean, maybe they get an SEC Big Ten now, but um, you know, it should at least enhance what's available to the conference right now. Yeah, yeah. And that's definitely going to be uh, something uh, to keep an eye on as far as the bowl picture is concerned and the developments of conference realignment. That's all going to make uh, play into a key factor for the next few years for the Bulldogs. Uh, if the Mountain West can, can pick up some of those games, then uh, it's going to be some more favorable bowls for the Bulldogs and the Bulldog faithful to travel to. Uh, especially the Las Vegas Bowl. I know everybody enjoys going to that one. Uh, who doesn't enjoy going to Las Vegas? I mean, come on. I, I mean, that's fun. Uh, the uh, the L.A. Bowl was always fun to go to. Um, we did that one last year, and, uh, and that one was amazing. So t- if they could pick up the one in San Diego as well, um, that would be just a, a big coup for the Bulldogs to be able to, to have uh, because, you know, we have San Diego in our conference. Why can't we have that bowl? <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, it just makes sense. Um, so, uh, you know, having more options is always great, especially options in California, um, which helps the the fan base travel because we all know Fresno State travels, especially for bowl oh, games. Yeah. And if they're in California, uh, the you know the more the merrier that will show up to that to those games. So. Uh, I am hoping that that's the case that happens here in the future. So it's it's something something that we will kind of discuss later as things start to progress because there's still a lot more moving parts happening, right, Jackson? Yeah, and for some hope, if you know the LA Bowl or New Year's Six Bowl doesn't work out, twenty four seven sports right now we've got in our national bowl projections. Um, they've got Air Force in the New Year's Six and Wyoming in the L.A. Bowl and Fresno State still getting a Power 5 opponent in the Armed Forces Bowl playing Kansas. That's their projection right now. Uh, the Mountain West has kind of a quasi-bid to the Armed Forces Bowl in Texas. So, um, you know, if, if they don't get one of those two that we're hoping for, and then, uh, I mean, going to Texas to play a Big 12 team at least would be uh, more entertaining than playing a, a Mac school in Boise or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And right now, Jackson and I want to know, we just want to know where we need to book our airline ticket to or, uh, <laughs> you know, rent a car or something. Um, and then right now, uh, it's looking more and more like well, Jackson, we're, we're going to have to travel travel to Air Force to go watch that, the Mountain West Conference <laughs> Championship if the Bulldogs are able to get in um, to that one. So, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of a lot of things happening here in the future that we have to kind of keep an eye on and try and figure it out because it, 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 it severely affects both Jackson and I, we, we just don't know what we're <laughs> going to do here. <laughs> so uh, we'll definitely uh, keep looking out and keep uh, an eye on things and see how things are going. Now, Jackson, before we wrap things up, uh, any final thoughts? Yeah, it's bye week, but we're going to have plenty of content for you this week at barsport.com, especially our VIPs. Uh, as mentioned, got our VIP notes up after the, uh, a little later than normal, but after the, all the travel, but it's up there now. And so uh, check out all the inside notes, some of the Utah State games, some of the things we saw on the field, some of the even interesting signs that seem to be the, the <laughs> topics of interest to the comments right now, even more than the game. Um, We've got, uh, I'm going to have some interviews that I've stashed to save for this week. The team's not having any media availability this week, but we have interviews on deck that I've been saving just thinking that that might happen. So I uh, get to hear from some of the new Bulldogs that maybe you haven't heard from yet. And uh, I'm also going to have a big in-depth basketball preview as well this week. So I got to see the team practice and uh, get a look at the newcomers. So I'm going to have that. got some pictures, got some impressions of the team. Uh, media Days was over the week as well recently got some more insights on them there so uh still a lot cooking up this week and um 
then we'll get right into UNLV prep before you know it. Absolutely. We'll be back back in uh, full force uh, next week as we will start to break down the Fresno State UNLV game, uh, get you ready for that. Um, we're also going to be hitting the road and trying to come up with more um, recruiting news as much as we can um, and uh, and try and get that all situated and, uh, and get you as much coverage as we can. So stay tuned. There is still a lot more happening uh, at the Barkboard. So um, if you haven't done so already, head over there and become a premium subscriber so you can get all the latest news and updates. That being said, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report, And uh, head over to our Facebook page. Uh, we've got a huge community over there always talking and sharing uh, their, their opinions on things. And as always, if uh, you haven't done so already, head over to the Bark Board. We've got both free and premium subscriptions. Uh, the boards is where you want to be. That's where everybody talks. Uh, but the premium board is where you get all the best uh, information. So uh, head on over there and get your subscription today. I want to thank everyone for joining and joining us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.